The FBI manufacturing terrorist cases and blaming it on right-wing extremists? Say it ain't so. It's coming up on The Adrian Slade Show. The presidential motorcade was just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's The Adrian Slade Show. The number of open FBI domestic terrorism investigations this year has increased significantly. According to an unclassified summary of the March intelligence assessment, the two most lethal elements of the domestic violence extremist threat are racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists and militia violent extremists. In the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who advocated for the superiority of the white race. So that's your Attorney General Merrick Garland. Thank God he wasn't a Supreme Court justice saying that in the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists who advocate for the superiority of the white race. Really? Is that what's really going on? I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. I wonder what Merrick Garland thinks about the man who went on a shooting spree over the weekend in Alabama, claiming that he was seeking revenge against white men. Yeah, that wasn't white supremacy, was it? How about all the anti-Asian violence that wasn't from white individuals? We talked about that on the podcast a few podcasts ago. So this is more or less just a way to do the setting the table for the and Proud Oath Keeper Boogaloo Boys. They want to insurrect. They want to cause an insurrection and overthrow the Capitol. That's what this is. This is just a way to vilify those on the right. From Matt Tabby, the, he is actually with. Um, he is with. He's got his own Substack. Uh, he does a pod podcast called Useful Idiots. He tweeted out. The domestic war on terror rollout reads almost like the original. Same calls for budget increases, expanded powers, same theme of organized transition, uh, transnational threats all around us, same surveillance state endgame, which he's right. <laughs> That's what they want to use. So this, this effort to vilify, especially the audits of uh, recounts, the audits of ballots happening in Fulton County, happening in Maricopa County, you know, in Arizona and Georgia. They want to vilify that as some sort of lead-in to insurrection. And, of course, Biden's domestic terror agenda confirms conservatives' worst fear. This is from Tyler O'Neill from uh, PJ Media. President Joe Biden released a blueprint for his new war on terror. In the National Strategy for Countering Domestic Terrorism, the Biden White House pledges that the administration will combat domestic terrorism while vigilantly safeguarding peaceful expression of a wide range of views and freedom of political association. Yet the administration's biases give conservatives good reason to doubt this pledge. The White House claims that the two most lethal elements of domestic terrorism are racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists who advocate for the superiority of the white race, which we just heard Merrick Garland say. And, quote, anti-government or anti-authority violent extremists, such as militia violent extremists. 
It's almost like we went back in time to the 1990s with Ruby Ridge, Waco. Remember the militia groups? They rebooted. It's funny. We went from Bill Clinton to George W. Bush and then the Obama administration, which uh, the militias kind of got brought up, but really took a backseat to the cops and black on uh, cop on black violence, which never wasn't an issue, but was propagated as such. But now we're back to militias and right wing terrorists. You know, this is all back in the forefront. The document lays out four elements of strategy to fight domestic terrorism, sharing domestic terrorism uh, analysis at all levels of government and occasionally with the private sector, with the private sector, preventing domestic terrorism recruitment and mobilization to violence, disrupting and deterring domestic terrorism activity and confronting long term contributions to domestic terrorism. Each element would raise alarms for conservatives and Republicans, given the Biden administration's hyperbolic rhetoric on racism and the Capitol riot. And they've really been going on and on with the Capitol riot. Listen to CNN with this this unclassified FBI document that this individual was talking about is being interviewed on CNN And uh, there's some key things. We're going to break this down because I think we need to break it out almost sentence by sentence, but just break down the premise of this. But just listen to this. uh, This news clip from CNN. I want to turn now to our politics lead an FBI warning to lawmakers that QAnon followers may start targeting them with actual violence. It's a story you'll see first on CNN. Let's bring in senior national correspondent Alex Markhard. So what's behind this warning? Any new intelligence? Well, this is uh, a two-page unclassified FBI report that was obtained by our colleague Zach Cohen. And what it essentially says is that some adherents of QAnon, the conspiracy theory, are going to start taking matters into their own hands in a violent way because a lot of what they believed would come true has not come to pass. Things like President Trump reassuming the presidency back in March, that obviously was never going to happen. Um, Remember, Pamela, at, at its core, this is a conspiracy theory that is rooted in this belief that the deep state, these global elites, as they call them, are running a satanic uh, child sex trafficking ring that is often referred to uh, as a cabal by the followers of QAnon. So because a lot of the predictions that are just crazy have not come true, some, the FBI says, may now turn to violence. I want to read you part mm-hmm. of this unclassified report that we obtained today. It says, uh, some domestic violent extremist adherents of QAnon likely will begin to believe they can no longer trust the plan referenced in QAnon posts and that they have an obligation to change from serving as digital soldiers towards engaging in real-world violence, including harming perceived members of the cabal, such as Democrats and other political opposition, instead of continually awaiting cues, promised actions which have not occurred. So the report does go on to say that because some are disillusioned that they may leave the movement, also because they're seeing less of this material online because, frankly, the stuff is getting kicked off the major uh, social media sites. But there is what the FBI is essentially calling a fork in the road. Uh, Some will leave and hopefully go back to their normal lives and others will simply become more extreme and possibly turn to violence. And of course, you hear about this warning and you think, well, what about January 6th? Weren't there QAnon followers there engaging 
and violence. I mean, this warning is really consistent with what we've been hearing from national security officials for months now, That's right? That's absolutely right. The FBI has said there were at least 20 uh, people who took part in January 6th um, who are self-described appearance of, of QAnon. You can imagine, Pam, that there probably are a lot more. Um, the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, have consistently said that the most persistent lethal threat to this country um, are white extremists who are disillusioned, who believe that Donald Trump was robbed, who believe um, that January 6th was a good thing. Um, and there's, so there's a lot of overlap between uh, some of the violence that we've already seen and is being predicted and these adherents of QAnon. Okay, a couple key takeaways here. First thing that they say is QAnon may start targeting them with violence. So they haven't yet. January 6th, they tried to say was the QAnon shaman and QAnon people, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, the Boogaloo Boys, whatever the hell those people are, which the Proud Boys are not a, 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 an organization that goes to seek out political protests. They actually just show up to buffer other activist groups, such as the Patriots Prayer, who were marching for Christianity in and patriotism in American politics and Antifa would show up. So the proud boys would show up to be a wall of human might to stand against the violence of Antifa. The oath keepers, we went through that. They're just a bunch of veterans that just want to make sure that, you know, the constitution is upheld. I don't know what the hell a boogaloo boy is. I've never even seen any documents from them. Don't know a website, never seen a name associated with them. And QAnon is an interesting group, which we'll get into more of the aspects of that here in a few minutes. One of the things that QAnon does is they're trusting a plan. They have been given these Q drops throughout the entire Trump administration, even the election lead up. And they think that, you know, someone is on the inside giving them pertinent information. And, you know, they're saying, look, don't worry. It's all under control. The pandemic, when the pandemic kicked in and it was 15 days to flatten the curve, the QAnon people were supporting the economic lockdowns in the beginning, saying, look, you're safe. They're keeping you in small groups because of social distancing and home quarantine orders to keep you from a false flag operation, to keep military, uh, militant Democrat wings of the military from conducting a Vegas shooting event by keeping everybody in their homes and making everybody socially distant. So you're safe. Trust the plan, right? That was, that was what was told during that period of time. So uh, QAnon's trusting the plan, and these individuals are saying, well, you know, the plan, they're learning the plan didn't work, so they're going to be violent, which I've got to say, they still believe the plan is working. I've talked to some QAnon people just to get a perspective. They believe that there is uh, Mike Pence is a hologram. Hillary Clinton's dead. She was executed in Gitmo. There's all of these military tribunals happening. Everything's going as planned. Donald Trump and Xi Jinping are working together, and Donald Trump is uh, leveraging what is going on with these military tribunals with Joe Biden in office as a puppet. They believe the plan is going swimmingly, so I don't know where they think someone would be disillusioned by a plan that's not working. And, uh, you know, the deep state, they go on about the deep state as a satanic sex trafficking ring cabal. Well, 
I mean, you have to wonder when you see stuff like that World Economic Forum posting picture or posting things such as, uh, let's see, as new research suggests that the blood of prepubescent young people may possess significant anti-aging properties, we ask, why is there such a stigma surrounding harvesting children's blood? That's the World Economic Forum, gang. And then you have to wonder, well, why did the border almost get turned on like a spigot opened up as soon as Biden was elected? Like that was his number one priority was to turn the border into a sieve for trafficking. I don't know. I'm not saying I believe in Q, but there are some things that make me scratch my head and go, hmm, things. What does Arsenio Hall say? Things that make you go, hmm. So they're also saying that there was uh you know, that they're serving as digital soldiers, continually awaiting Q's uh, promised actions, which haven't occurred. Well, they don't like the fact that the QAnon people are pretty prolific on social media and they know how to troll. That's why Chrissy Teigen, who they think is part of the cabal, uh, deleted her account. Why Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks' son, they got the hell out of (laughs) social media because they were getting trolled all the time. Madonna with her crazy videos. The Q people were trolling them. The Q people are very good about uh, sharing information on the internet and networking. So that's something that the left doesn't like. That's why the left got Twitter and various other organizations to shut them down. It's also interesting to note that Parler, the Parler app, informed the FBI of what could be a situation at the Capitol, and Christopher Ray, FBI director, eh, he just ignored it. And well, let's get into the FBI, all right? Let's get into some things that I thought was interesting because I have followed the FBI and how they've always dropped the ball on certain lone wolf terrorist events or certain shooting events, and they go, oh, the FBI knew. And then I found a Business Insider article that said, well, the FBI is actually responsible for a lot of these cases, which is interesting to me. Makes you re-question things like Vegas, the Vegas shooting, where we still don't have a motive. Uh, the Pulse nightclub shooting. Oh, that guy just rolled out. Oh, but the FBI knew him. Dylan Roof, James Comey, the FBI director at the time said, oh, well, we knew Dylan Roof and we just didn't catch him in time. Ah, shucks. Damn. Man, I tell you, we should have just been more on the ball. We should have listened to Parler. Right, Christopher Ray. So Tucker Carlson It's funny that this happened because I don't, I like Tucker. He's been pulling a lot of things out. I don't typically watch him. I do whenever I get a free moment, but he really kind of laid the case out on how the FBI is actually responsible for the January 6th event, responsible for various events in the past. Let's listen to the first clip from Tucker Carlson. According to the government's own court filings, those law enforcement officers participated in the riot, sometimes in violent ways. We know that because without fail, the government has thrown the book at most people who are present in the Capitol on January 6th. There was a nationwide dragnet to find them, and many of them are still in solitary confinement tonight. But strangely, some of the key people who participated on January 6th have not been charged. Look at the documents. The government calls those people unindicted co-conspirators. What does that mean? Well, it means that in potentially every single case, they were FBI operatives. Really? In the Capitol on January 6th? For example, one of those unindicted co-conspirators is someone government documents identify only as Person 2. According to those documents, Person 2 stayed in the same hotel room as a man called Thomas Caldwell, an insurrectionist 
a man alleged to be a member of the group the Oath Keepers. Person two also, quote, stormed the barricades at the Capitol on January 6th alongside Thomas Caldwell. The government's indictments further indicate that Caldwell, who, by the way, is a 65-year-old man, this dangerous insurrectionist, was led to believe there would be a, quote, quick reaction force also participating on January 6th. That quick reaction force, Caldwell was told, would be led by someone called Person 3, who had a hotel room and an accomplice with him. But wait, here's the interesting thing. Person 2 and Person 3 were organizers of the riot. The government knows who they are, but the government has not charged them. Why is that? You know why. They were almost certainly working for the FBI. So FBI operatives were organizing the attack on the Capitol on January 6th, according to government documents. So Tucker Carlson is saying that the FBI could be, dare I say, manufacturing these incidents? <laughs> Imagine that. Did we, not Did we not read that article on a couple podcasts? I think so. We might even go back over it again, but it's not like the FBI has been spotless and clean. They didn't spy on a private citizen running for public office using a foreign intelligence surveillance warrant designated for terrorists and foreign adversaries, something that should not be used on domestic citizens of the United States, infringing on their civil liberties and fraudulently conducting investigations as they did to President Donald Trump during his entire term with Andy McCabe, Peter Stroke, James Comey. I mean, the CIA was in on it, the NSA. So let's go on with Tucker. There's a huge difference between using an informant to find out what a group you find threatening might do and paying people to help organize a violent action, which is what happened apparently, according to government documents, on January 6th. That's a line, and the FBI has crossed it. And it's not the first time they crossed that line in Michigan. Remember that plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer? We heard a lot about that, and Whitmer was able to cover some of her own incompetence, though not all, by pointing to the fact that she's now a victim. Now, in the FBI's telling of that plot, a whole team of insurrectionists was going to drive a van up to Gretchen Whitmer's vacation house and throw her in the back and drive away. The mastermind of this plot, according to the FBI, was a man called Adam Fox. Who is Adam Fox? Adam Fox turned out to be a homeless guy who was living in the basement of a vacuum repair shop. Quite a gorilla. The whole story was a farce. It was insulting, really, once you got to the details, which outlets like the AP didn't bother with in the first read. But if you read the government's charging documents carefully, and you should, you will see that it gets even more ridiculous. It turns out that one of the five people in the planned Gretchen Whitmer kidnap van was an FBI agent in the van. Another was an FBI informant. And the feds admitted in these documents that an informant or undercover agent was, quote, usually present in the group's meetings. In other words, using simple math, which we can do even on cable news, nearly half the gang of kidnappers were working for the FBI. Remember the guy who suggested using a bomb to blow up a bridge as part of that plot? That got a lot of coverage. That guy was an undercover FBI agent. Oh, okay. Wow, so that entire event with Governor Whitmer being <laughs> uh, attempted to be held hostage, the conspiracy to hold her hostage, uh, was conducted by mostly the FBI and some people that may have been 
on the fringes. But notice he talks about the pipe bomb that they were going to blow up a bridge with, which was done by the FBI. Let's not forget on January 6th, the real motive to clear the Capitol building wasn't insurrectionists beating on the doors. It was actually the threat of two pipe bombs, one at the RNC uh, headquarters and the other at the DNC. And so they decided, hey, let's go ahead and clear the place. And that was before any of the uprising started. So, uh, hmm, interesting. Now, we know John Sullivan, uh, who ended up trying to sell his video from inside the Capitol, where we saw Ashley Babbitt get killed um, by a police officer who people are saying, well, he was doing his job. Um, he was hiding around the corner, pointing a gun, didn't even say, hey, stand down. No stand down order whatsoever. Didn't say, halt, please don't come through. There was SWAT people behind the crowd that was coming up that did nothing. And they were waved in by Capitol Police at the front doors, going down single file lines. But this guy was lying in wait. And then as soon as the opportunity showed to shoot somebody, he shot and killed Ashley Babbitt. Now, the whole uh, conspiracy is starting to come more to light because on this show, we've uncovered John Sullivan, the uh, transgender person who was a part of the Oath Keepers, the QAnon shaman, and the kid who was, uh, I guess he was the son of some Democrat judge. We've shown that they all have possible Antifa or Black Lives Matter ties. John Sullivan was with Insurgency USA. So, uh, if you wanted to have an insurrection, you probably want to call up Insurgency USA. I would think you would want to enlist their services. So uh, this wasn't some right-wing domestic terrorist, you know, white supremacy uh, conspiracy. Remember, when they think white supremacy, they think Christian patriot. That's what they think. That's what you have to put that in the frame of mind whenever white supremacy is brought up. So Tucker goes on a little further, which really gets you deep into the nefarious activities of the FBI. So if you're wondering why they're always comparing January 6th to 9-11, there's your answer. They're using the same tactics. And a lot of us missed this the first time around. And you are due an apology, and we're proffering it on television right now. We didn't see the obvious. If you empower the government to violate civil liberties in pursuit of a foreign terror organization, and there are foreign terror organizations, it's just a matter of time before ambitious politicians use those same mechanisms to suppress political dissent. And that's what we're seeing now. We should have seen it earlier. Trevor Aronson wrote a book on this called The Terror Factory, and it analyzed every terror prosecution from 2001 to 2013. Aronson found that at least 50 defendants were on trial because of behavior that the FBI had not only encouraged but enabled. FBI agents were essentially the plotters in these crimes. They made the crimes crimes. In 2012, a writer for The Nation called Petra Bartosiewicz found that FBI agents had, quote, crossed the line from merely observing potential criminal behavior, which, by the way, is allowed and good, to, and we're quoting, encouraging people and assisting people to participate in plots that are largely scripted by the FBI itself, end quote. And we checked. We look carefully, and that's not an exaggeration. Wish it were. That's right, and Tucker is dead on with this, because if you are the government or the 
law enforcement wing of the government, you have the market share on the use of force. You have the monopoly on the use of force. So what happens when the wrong administration comes in and decides they want to use it against political dissidents? Well, maybe they'll do it with the IRS. You know, the monopoly of the use of finances and taxation and liens. They can lean and levy anything you own. And maybe they'll just deny you the ability to uh, form a nonprofit to raise money for a political cause because they just don't like your political cause. Or maybe they just want to make you look like a fringe militia group by instigating an event and pinning it on you. I mean, that's ridiculous, but that's what we're getting at. And again, he is referencing the premise of the article that I've referenced multiple times, and we're going to read it again um, from Business Insider. But listen, he goes on further to talk about an event that happened in 2015 in Texas. In 2012, a writer for The Nation called Petra Bartosiewicz found that FBI agents had, quote, crossed the line for merely observing potential criminal behavior, which, by the way, is allowed and good, to, and we're quoting, encouraging people and assisting people to participate in plots that are largely scripted by the FBI itself, end quote. And we checked, we looked carefully, and that's not an exaggeration. Wish it were. One of those plots was an Islamic terror attack in 2015 in Garland, Texas. It turns out that an FBI employee played an active role in that shooting. The FBI was much closer to the Garland attack than anyone realized. After the trial, you discovered that the government knew a lot more about the Garland attack than they had let on. That's right. Yeah. After the trial, we found out that they had had an undercover agent who had been texting with Simpson less than three weeks before the attack to him tear up Texas, which to me was an encouragement to Simpson. The man he's talking about was a special agent of the FBI, working undercover, posing as an Islamic radical. So the incident in Texas back in 2015, a terrorist attack. Um, the FBI knew about it? Again, it begs the question, what happened in Vegas, the most surveilled property, most surveilled city on the United States soil? Cameras in the back rooms, cameras watching every move, count, seeing if people are counting cards, seeing if people are you know, running drugs, money, whatever the case may be. It's all over the place. Camp, closed circuit TV down in, on the sidewalks. I mean, this guy rolls up, guns down 50 plus people at a country music concert. No motive, no way of understanding how he got all that <laughs> weaponry upstairs. Um, yeah. What about the Pulse nightclub? What about Dylan Roof? I've said this before. What about... It begs the question, Oklahoma City bombing. Hmm, that's not a popular opinion. Remember, it looked like the, uh, the, the Cobar Towers explosion. And with the Oklahoma City building, the, uh, I think the Murrow building, it had a lot of federal offices in it. And of course, the motivation was pinned on, again, right-wing militias, uh, Ruby Ridge, Waco. That was supposedly Timothy McVeigh's reasoning for blowing up the building. Um, what about Waco? The ATF botched that entire event on the initial uh, initial forced entry into the building to which ATF agents were shot. But then there was the standoff, which 
you know, under the Clinton administration, they had to show how much taxpayer money was being wasted on all the days that the standoff occurred. Attorney General Janet Reno and the FBI under Louis Free, I think <laughs> we can get into him. Um, they all conducted the pressure on the Branch Davidian compound. And then while uh, David Koresh's mother is speaking to CNN at the time, CNN actually had some credibility around lunchtime, suddenly fires break out because the tanks are punching holes in the building. So uh, I don't know. You tell me. Was that the work of the FBI? Could possibly be. There might be a longer history that we need to consider with the nefarious activities of the FBI for political reasons. So let's bring it into modern day and let's listen to Ms. Caesar salad, hair comb eating, clipboard throwing Senator Amy Klobuchar talking to FBI Director Christopher Wray about uh, the domestic terrorist of January 6th. And they show up, we now know in this complaint, with encrypted two-way Chinese radios and military gear um, that um, you must, there must be moments where you think if we would have known, uh, if we could have uh, infiltrated this group or found out what they were doing. And that, do you, do you have those moments? Absolutely. I will tell you, Senator, uh, and this is, this is something I feel passionately about, uh, that anytime there's an attack, our standard at the FBI is we aim to bat a thousand, mm -hmm. right? And we aim to thwart every attack that, that's out there. So anytime there's an attack, especially one that's this horrific, that strikes right at the heart of our system of government, right at the time the transfer of power is being discussed, you can be darn tootin' <laughs> that we are focused very, very hard on how can we get better sources, better information, better analysis, so that we can make sure that something like what happened on January 6th never happens again. Okay. You darn tootin', you darn tootin' there, Tex! Yeah, uh, who says that to a senator? You're darn tootin'. <laughs> we ain't lying. You're darn tootin'. We're telling the truth. Um, Chinese radios? Military gear? Sounds to me like that was uh, the individual that was being tackled by the MAGA supporter who pushed his way through the crowd outside the front door of the Capitol to wrestle the guy to the ground. These are the same people in tactical gear uh, that looked very out of place. They didn't look like MAGA people that were walking through the windows, dragging American flags in the most disrespectful manner. And we're supposed to assume that those were just QAnon, Proud Boy, Boogaloo Boy, Ma uh, MAGA people who are patriots. And if they're right-wing militia people, that they would be dragging American flags across broken glass through windows into the Capitol. Sounds to me like those were actually the FBI agents. We're starting to learn that that might be the case. And uh, I think I need to break into this Business Insider article that I've referenced on four or five different podcasts, referencing Vegas, referencing ISIS, referencing different things that we have learned over the years uh, that implicate the FBI. So what Tucker Carlson Although he was breaking things to a big audience, you know, the Fox audience. I mean, I'm not a Fox News person, but I used to be way back in the day. They have a wide net, and I'm glad he did it. And I'm grateful that he was able to get that information out to people. But we've been talking about it on this podcast here for the last few years, and especially referring to this one article because I really think it was a uh, random act of journalism done 
Right. Um, yeah, the FBI manufacturing terrorist cases uh, on a large level. It's pretty amazing. So check out this article from Business Insider. The FBI is manufacturing terrorism cases on a greater scale than ever before. This is from Caroline Simon. This is uh, June 9th, 2016. The FBI has ramped up its use of sting operations in terrorism cases, dispatching undercover agents to pose as jihadists and ensnare Americans suspected of backing ISIS, a.k.a. the Islamic State Daesh and ISIL. Roughly 67% of prosecutions involving suspected ISIS supporters include evidence from undercover operations, according to the New York Times. In many cases, agents will seek out people who have somehow demonstrated radical views. We're actually hearing this right now from people that are on Telegram. Uh, they're being told to uh, watch what they post, change their profile, take down pictures in certain posts because the FBI may be undercover looking through Telegram and other apps uh, that have, are the, uh, the new havens for free speech that have been ousted by, uh, by Twitter and Facebook for those who want to uh, put this kind of information out. But so they go out and, and they, they, uh, you know, they, they seek out people who have demonstrated radical views and then coax them into plotting an act of terrorism often providing weapons and money. Hmm, sound like Vegas? Before the suspects can carry out their plans, though, they're arrested. Hopefully. That's what I put in. But critics say that the FBI's tactics serve to entrap only individuals who would never commit any crimes of violence without the government's instigation. Quote, they're manufacturing terrorism cases. Michael uh, German, a former undercover agent with the FBI who now researches national security law at New York University's Brennan Center for Justice, told the Times, these people are five steps away from being a danger to the United States. Increasingly, experts are worried that undercover operations of this kind infringe on the rights of Americans. Well, we're learning that that's the case. Stephen Downs, an attorney and founding member of Project Salam, which gives legal support to Muslims, told Business Insider that the government has developed a technique of engaging targets in conversations of a somewhat provocative nature and then trying to pick up on things that targets say, uh, which might suggest illegal activity, and then trying to push them into pursuing those particular activities. Downs also said the, the FBI often targets particularly vulnerable people, such as those with mental disabilities. Quote, very often they, the FBI, target people who are genuinely psychotic, who are taking medication, he said. Last March, The Intercept profiled 25-year-old Sami Asmaik, who was broke and struggling with mental illness when he became the target of an FBI sting operation. Quote, the FBI provided all the weapons seen in Asmaik's Martyrdom video, The Intercept reported, quote, the Bureau also gave Osmek the car bomb he allegedly planned to detonate and even money for the taxi so he can go to where the FBI needed him to go. A recent study cited by BuzzFeed examined undercover operations for signs of entrapment by looking at terrorism prosecutions dating back to 9-11. The study coded each case for up to 20 signals that an individual had been victim of this kind of entrapment, such as whether or not the defendant had no previous involvement in terrorism or whether they had been given some kind of monetary incentive to commit a crime. The vast majority of the 317 cases involving undercover operations contained signs of entrapment. 
Countless legal challenges have been made against these prosecutions, and facts supporting the entrapment defense are, quote, pretty widespread. Jesse Norris, a legal scholar of SUNY, uh, Fridonia, uh, and the study's leader, told BuzzFeed. While no case has ever been thrown out on the basis of this kind of entrapment, judges have taken notice and raised concerns over the danger of entrapping others, especially innocent individuals, in sting operations. Quote, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that there would have been no crime here except for the government instigated it, planned it, and brought it to fruition, Judge Colleen McMahon of the U.S. uh, District Court in Manhattan said in 2011. She was referring to the Newberg 4. That case, a year-long operation that began with an informant infiltrating the Newburgh, New York mosque and ended up with the arrest of four men who tried to launch a missile at an airbase and two synagogues. Three years later, Human Rights Watch released a report expressing concern over the law enforcement's discriminatory and overly ag- aggressive investigations using informants, noting that the targets for these operations are often chosen based on specific political or religious indicators such as if they are Muslim. Still, others believe that the entrapment method can ultimately make us safer. So they go on, but we're seeing right there that the use of FBI entrapment, FBI coercion, FBI manufacturing of incidents are how they are facilitating these uh, the vilification of any of these type of uh, religions or movements. That's what they did with the militias in the 90s. That's what they're doing right now with MAGA and with the QAnon people. But obviously the QAnon people are sitting around trusting some plan that's not happening or they think is really happening with military tribunals and Mike Pence as a hologram and tunnels being blown up. But they haven't been violent. This is all an attempt to take all of those people that were vehemently fired up for a President Trump, a second term, the, the what, 80 million or whatever that voted for him, whatever the case may be, this is to vilify anyone who is pro-American, who is a patriot, who supports Christian values in favor of a global union. And uh, they have to target and vilify something that they think is coming because they know the overreach that they're doing right now. Uh, Stepping on legislation, just wiping their behind and their taints with the Constitution, and then turning around, sticking their thumb in everyone's noses while they go on like Joe Biden did to double down, triple down on lies of things that happened on January 6th that didn't. Like, again, Officer Sicknick being killed with a fire extinguisher just In the middle of the G7 uh, summit and the summit with Vladimir Putin, President Biden says this. Mr. President, when President Putin was questioned today about human rights, he said the reason why he's cracking down on opposition leaders um, is because he doesn't want something like January 6th to happen in Russia. And he also said he doesn't want to see groups formed like Black Lives Matter. What's your response to that, please? (laughs) My response is kind of what I communicated, that I think that's a... uh, that's a ridiculous comparison. It's one thing for literally criminals to break through cordon, go into the Capitol, kill a police officer, and be held unaccountable. And it is for people objecting and marching on the Capitol and saying, you are not allowing me to speak freely. You are not allowing me to do A, B, C, or D. And so they're very different criteria. 
Only Officer Sicknick was never hit with a fire extinguisher to the head and died of a stroke days later that they say, well, uh, he died of conditions uh, affected by his time at the Capitol, which had nothing to do with his time at the Capitol. But we see where the lies get double and triple and quadruple down upon. So they continually perpetuate the lies. The media parrots it. The gaslighting continues. And then the focus is on something that they're trying to set and prime the pump for because they know the backlash is coming. They don't know when, but they know they can only overreach so far. They can only throw the Overton window so far before somebody snaps back. So define your enemy, isolate them, and then vilify them, and then gaslight the vilification through Hollywood, through the media, through, uh, through politicians, uh, across the board. And then you set the tone to where when a reaction does happen, you've already set the tone in the mind of the public opinion, in the court of public opinion, that these people are anti-American uh, insurrectionists. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, iHeart. You can check out the blog at adrianslade.show.com. Get the free Roku channel in your streaming store. Search Adrian Slade Show or... Uh, download or you know call into the show one nine two nine go go USA leave a message and we'll play you on the show. God bless. We'll see you guys next time.